Chevy Equinox with forward collision alert, automatic emergency braking, and available all-wheel drive. It's my ultimate mobile device. Go to ChevyDriveChicago.com to schedule a test drive. Chevy Equinox. It's your choice. Own it. Welcome to Apparently, the podcast for absolutely average parents. I'm Ann Johnsos. And I'm Tracy Weiner. Ann and I met at our first radio jobs and have been friends ever since. And we had fun in our 20s as wing women for each other. And in our 30s, we got married. Then we had babies within weeks of each other. Eventually landing the hardest job we've ever had, parenthood. Our kids are 12 and 10, but we'll talk about everything from babyhood to menopause. We want to discuss topics that interest us and you and bring some knowledge to other average parents. We make it look easy. We make it look good. Yeah, we're average, not experts. So we'll talk about the topics with people who know what they're doing. Yeah, we'll get the experts. And I'm sure to embarrass myself along the way. Yeah, after the first season, I'm pretty sure we already have. (laughs) So welcome to Apparently. We make it look easy. We make it look good. Apparently, we need to learn how to talk about homosexuality. Now, that sounds obvious, right? But have you done that with the kids? Um, a little bit through TV shows, I guess. Yeah. So, Glee. I've talked oh, to you about Kurt. Glee. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yes. Okay. We've talked about it by watching Glee. Okay, we've seen a lot of that in, in, in TV shows too. But the first time I tried to bring it up was in 2014 when same-sex marriage became legal in Illinois. And so I tried to have a dinner time conversation with the girls, and they were eight and six. And I was like, you know, this is a very important day. Um, today is a day when it becomes legal for girls to marry girls and boys to marry boys. And both of my kids fell on the floor and started going, "Ew!" Oh my gosh. And I was like, oh my God, are they homophobic? What the? No, they were like, ooh, who would marry a boy? Boys are gross. Oh Boys God. have cooties. Ew, ew. Totally not where I was going with that. Okay. No, exactly. So, and then at which point, you know, my husband was just like, perhaps they're too young for this conversation. Wait, how old were they? Eight and six? Eight and six. Okay. So, and they had no, like, they, they hadn't even had the idea of like any kind of sex talk whatsoever. They just were yeah. like, boys are gross. Yeah. So, um, but more recently, my kids have talked to me about, you know, classmates and friends who identify as gay, and the numbers are much higher than, than I remember them being when we were growing up. I mean, did you know anyone when we were in uh, grade school who said, you know, I'm 10, I'm 12, uh, and I'm, I like... I don't. I don't. I'm not saying that there wasn't. There might have been, but I don't, I don't remember that. And, it's fuzzy. Yes, yeah, me too. Um, and also, I because I think we were so much younger, like we didn't have um, access to media the way that our kids have. You yeah, know, and um, I wasn't as socially sophisticated as my kids. No, that's that's the truth. Uh, that's a, a, a hard truth for sure. Yes, um, but so a, a Gallup poll in 2017 showed that 4.5 percent of adults identify as LGBT, and that's up from 3.5 in 2012. That's the first time they started measuring this. And then more than 8% of millennials identify as LGBT. Um, so we talked, remember season two, we talked about parenting trans yep. and non-binary kids? Yeah, that was a good episode. Uh, it was very, very good, um, based on the people we interviewed, not on us. Yes. Um, but we didn't talk about parenting someone who's gay, and I think we should because it's a... Uh, 
it's uncharted territory for at least for most of us so yes. far. Um, but I don't think it's like uncharted for long. I think that this will be coming up, and I think particularly as as they hit adolescence. So I wanted to bring in Kristen Russo. Uh, she's an American speaker, personality, and activist. She's the CEO and editor in chief of Everyone Is Gay. And My Kid is Gay. Those are both organizations that provide advice and guidance and education to the LGBTQIA youth and their families. She's also the co-author of a book called This is a Book for Parents of Gay Kids. That's the title? Yes, yes. Um, and, you know, like, I- I'm sure it can draw some interesting uh, looks when you read it on the airplane. Right, right. <laughs> so, um, first of all, Kristen, uh, thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I want to start with some basics because as I was, you know, researching you and, and introducing you, you know, we know LGBT. That's a lesbian, gay, bisexual, and trans, right? What is Q? Yep, yeah. We didn't know what QIA means. You know, when we were when we were growing up, queer was a slur. It was like you would you would say that to be mean. But now is that the way people like to be identified? Well, yeah, yes and no. Um, I use the word queer to describe myself. I think that many people in the um, LGBTQ or LGBTQIA community are using that word and and reclaiming it, but that sh- certainly doesn't mean that everyone feels comfortable with it. Um, there's, you know, some divisiveness around the word because for some people it was used as a slur. Uh, so it is a word that I use and many of us use, but I wouldn't say that it's okay to just apply it to anyone. Um, with any terms, I, I tend to say, ask the person uh, how they identify and then use that term. I've also seen Q as questioning. Is that also uh, applicable? Yeah, I think that the Q can um, can stand for both. You know, sometimes you'll even see it written LGBTQQ, where there's where they're including the Q for questioning and the Q for queer. But certainly, I think uh, people who are questioning their sexuality or their gender identity um, fit inside of our our community. And then, what is the I? Tracy's looking I'm at me like, like what's, what's the IA? What's the IA? <laughs> right. So there's so many letters, and LGBTQIA uh, is is the collection that I use most often. But that isn't even the full. You know, that you can't hit. All of the letters at all, um, but the I stands for intersex, and the A stands for asexual. Um, intersex basically refers to people who are born where, uh, with chromosomes where they don't don't line up as you know standard male or standard female chromosomes biologically, um, or who have um, body parts that are not you know strictly identifiable in the way that doctors and hospitals currently identify. This is a boy and this is a girl. Um, so intersex people are people who biologically. And and it's really, it's an important thing to talk about because a lot of times you'll hear people say, well, gender can't be fluid because biology just has two, male and female. And it's like, actually, that's not true at all. (laughs) The the frequency of intersex people is quite high uh, and biology doesn't know just two boxes either. So that's the I. And then the A is asexual. And that refers to people who experience either low or uh, no sexual desire toward others. Um, and so there's a whole spectrum um, of identity within the asexual community as well. Hmm. All right. That's good to know. And um, I've also I read something about pansexual. Does that mean that people are attractive to, attracted to everyone? Yeah. So pansexual um, is a word that came about in response to the word bisexual. Uh, bisexual 
often is thought to mean two as in male and female, you're attracted to men and women, though many people in the bisexual community have sort of expanded out that definition where the bi means self and other. So all genders are also included. A lot of people use bisexual to mean that they're attracted to people of all genders, uh, genders the same as their own and genders different. But pansexual came about at a time when that was, you know, in conversation. And so pansexual was a way of saying like, hey, we want to make sure that you know that we're attracted to all genders of people, not just two. Ah, good to know. Okay. So um, can you tell us a little bit about everyoneisgay.com and my kids, mykidisgay.com? Like, do, <laughs> those are interesting website, uh, what is it? URLs. URLs. Yeah. So do, do you really, do you really think everyone is uh, gay? <laughs> no, I don't think that everyone is gay. Um, so everyone is gay was uh, an active uh, place for advice for LGBTQIA young people from 2010 through 2016. Uh, it now exists as a compendium of advice and videos uh, and so many other resources. Uh, when it started, my then business partner and I thought that we were starting a very silly Tumblr on the internet. So we tongue in cheek, joke, jokingly named it everyone is gay. And what wound up happening was that Tumblr uh, at the time, and probably still, accepts anonymous questions. And so um, instead of getting funny questions, like our first question, which was, how do I know if my dog is gay? We started getting real questions from people who were seeking information. How do I come out to my parents? Um, I'm in love with my best friend. What do I do? And so we were like, you know, let's just try and answer these. And it grew and it grew and it grew and it grew because especially at the time, there were not many resources for young people who had questions, especially where they could ask anonymously uh, and feel safe asking whatever questions they had. So that's where the name Everyone is Gay came from. And then uh, a few years later, we had been visiting schools and doing talks and so many questions, both online and in person, were about parents. Uh, how do I talk to my parents? How do I tell my parents? And so we decided, you know what, let's let's make a resource for all of these young people and their parents uh, to help them have these conversations. And so the chronology in, in reality was that the website My Kid is Gay launched and then our book, this is a book for parents of gay kids, came out after. But in the actual practice, we were writing the book, this is a book for parents of gay kids when we were like, we should have a website for this too. So this is a book for parents of gay kids is uh, a Q&A guide. It's, um, you know, includes um, tons of topics, which I know we're going to talk about today. And My Kid is Gay is really exciting because it's kind of a living extension of that book where we get to expand out on questions and dig in deeper, have experts answer advice and so on and so forth. So you mentioned the book and um, because we're a parenting podcast, I, I sort of want to focus on the parenting aspect of having a gay kid. Um, so you had a bunch of frequently asked questions uh, in the book. And I love it, when it's sorted like that. Uh, you it, can like... It makes it easy for us, yes. but also they're so good. And um, some of them were things I wouldn't even think that would be asked. So we're going to have you answer them. Is that cool with you? Yes, of course. So the first one was, is it a choice? Is Does my kid choose to be gay? So this one, um, it's, it's really awesome to start here because this was actually the biggest conversation that we had with the publisher that we worked with because I think that, um, for the most part, still, people expect the answer to that question to be no, it's not a choice. Simple answer, like, I didn't choose this, so you have to accept me, right? But I actually, uh, myself and my co-author, Danielle Owens-Reed, uh, we both wanted to have a more expansive conversation around that because when you say... I didn't choose this. The implication is sort of, if I could choose this, I wouldn't 
choose this, which is not great. Um, it still leaves like a bad taste in your mouth about being gay, about being bisexual, about being trans. Um, and so we in, in the answer in the book and, and the way that I talk about it still to this day, ask parents to reflect on why they're asking it, right? Like, does it, why does it matter to you if your child was born this way, uh, quote, unquote, uh, or if they're exploring something and they're, you know, socially, uh, playing around with things and learning things about themselves and their desires. For some of us, uh, it, it was known from the minute we were, you know, putting words together. For a lot of us, it was something that was discovered along the way. And I'm in the latter part of that group. My own experience was not always knowing, was not feeling like I was born this way, but rather feeling like I was discovering something about myself through middle school, through high school, um, and really coming to terms with that over many, many, many years. So I like to just expand it a bit and say, like, is it a decision? Like, do you choose it like you choose whether you're going to have, you know, ketchup or mayo on your burger? No. But is it as simple as you were born that way or you were not? Uh, no, it's it's also not that simple. Okay. Um, so how old do you think a child needs to be to make that decision? That sounds kind of weird, but I've read that kids know from a young age, and I've also heard parents say there's no way you, you can know if you are until after you hit puberty or actually feel sexually attracted to somebody. Is there one size fits all for knowing how old a kid needs to to be when they um, realize what their sexuality might be? No, not at all. I think it's so different for everyone. And I think that part of the conversation here that gets confusing is a lot of times people confuse, you know, understanding your sexuality with having sexual desire, which definitely those two things don't need to coexist in in that um, deliberate of a sense, right? That we see even parents with their infants like, oh, look, he's flirting with her. Little infant babies, right? Like jokingly, of course, but we're, we're talking about like the way people connect to each other. And I think that at a really young age, kids can understand that like maybe the way they're connecting to people feels a little different um, than the way other people are connecting to those people. Uh, and and so th- those understandings can start in that way. It's not, you know, you're not going to have like a seven-year-old child who's like, I know that I would like to make out with this person. Like that's not the way their brains work. Um, but there can be something there that, that grows and changes and expands over time. Uh, it can also be something like I was saying in my case where I was 16 years old before I was even conscious of my desires. And then I could track them back. You know, then I was like, oh, this is why when I was 11 years old, I was calling in radio requests for my best friend, you know, that I didn't clock it at the time and, and other kids might. So I think there's a big spectrum there. And I also think that, um, you touched on something in the way you phrased that question about like, how can you, how can you know for sure? Um, which, and we might talk about this when we get to being a phase, but. Kids might not know for sure. Adults might not know for sure. It's sort of like we know what we know now. And what I always encourage parents to do is take that as the thing you're working with, you know, regardless of how your kid might change or grow in the future. This is what they're working through now. And that's what's most important. The here and now. Yeah. Okay. You know, so this does lead right into is this just a phase on one of the websites um, you gave advice to uh, an anonymous person who said, you know, I don't know if I'm a lesbian um, when when I'm around my girlfriends, I'm happy and I have joy. And what? And your point was, if it brings you joy right now, then you can be who you want to be. And if later on something else brings you joy, then that's who you're going to be. So in, in a way, not that it's a phase, but that I think you said 
we all change with every breath we take. Is is that sort of what I think some parents might want to say it's a phase because they want it to be over. And I don't think that that's what you mean. Really good observation, right? That like often when we're saying something's a phase, it's because we want it to be done. (laughs) And, and to expand on that. Yeah. I think, you know, I was really afraid as a kid, um, you know, or as a young adult, I guess I should say I had had a really meaningful relationship um, from when I was 18 to when I was 20 with a woman. And I remember when we broke up, I was really afraid as a single person because I knew I was attracted to women, but I also felt attracted to many people and I didn't know who I was going to wind up with. And I was so afraid that I was going to be attracted to a man and wind up with a man and that it would undo everything that I had worked for and my coming out and my relationship that had been real and valid to me. And so I think, you know, I try to encourage young people to not feel that pressure and to know that no matter who they are and, and who they wind up being later in life, it doesn't, it, one doesn't erase the other. And I think that's important from a parenting perspective too, right? That um, if your kid comes out as gay and then comes out as bisexual and then winds up with somebody of the opposite sex, like that doesn't, a, you can be, you know, a woman married to a man and be a bisexual person. Um, you, you can still have desires and, and, you know, attractions to, to people of other genders. So I think it's wiggly and I, and I really think that you're nailing it, right? That when we ask these questions, is it a choice? Is it a phase? It's really important to reflect on why we're asking the questions because more often than not, it's because we feel uncomfortable with the truth right now. Right. Right. Which is, which leads me to this next frequently asked question. Um, Is it possible their friends are influencing them? Um, You know, in middle school, um, there, I do know my daughter's talked about one person at school. um, And I feel like uh, that sometimes is a, a, a place where people do start realizing, you know, and talking about what their sexuality is in uh, middle school. Is is it possible that, is it possible that that can happen? Or also, you know, I wonder too, if, if there are a number of kids who are coming out, um, is it possible that you want to be cool like they are? Or you want to be with them because you want to stand up for them too? You're an upstander, whatever that is. Um, I can't decide if, if that would be a possibility or not. Well, I think there's like a little bit of truth to all of it that um, certainly we do expand and change based on the people around us. And I think that young people can find themselves being open to different experiences when their peer group is accepting and when they have other, you know, LGBTQ people in their peer group, certainly that can make them say, hmm, I wonder, I wonder how I'm feeling. Uh, but you can't, you can't change somebody's, uh, you know, sexual orientation just because you're hanging out with somebody else. You know, my sister spent all of her life with me. I spent all of almost all of my life with her. Uh, I identify as queer. She identifies as straight. And neither one of us changed the other based on all of that time that we spent together, right? Because at, at her core, she is uh, attracted to men. And at my core, I'm attracted to people of many genders uh, and have historically been with women. So you can you can see like an openness and certainly I think when you're when you're younger you can play around and explore but I find that to be really healthy and wonderful I would um, much rather be an adult person who has explored and played around and wondered about all the different ways that my life can be than an adult person who has felt that they couldn't explore those things because I think it makes for a truer sense of self absolutely an informed decision (laughs) an informed you know like you you're everything's open Right. And along those lines, as as an adult, so if, if I am a parent 
And there are a couple layers to this question because oh, this this is another frequently asked question. You know, how can I be a supportive parent? And you know, you mentioned coming out in, in the book. You mentioned that coming out is a process. Um, what advice can you give parents who suspect the conversation is coming? Should we start the conversation, or, or what should we not say? Yeah, so definitely I think the biggest piece of advice that I always give to parents is understanding that it's a process for their kid and also a process for them, and there will be missteps. It's a hard conversation to have regardless of how accepting you are of your child, um, regardless of how open your child is with you. There's, there's you know, places that you're going to stumble and you're going to say something that you wish you hadn't or you're going to phrase something in a, in a way that you wish you had changed, uh, and the same goes for your kid. And so I think that it's important to know you know, I have the beauty of having been out now to my parents for 20 plus years. And so I can say from looking down that that 20 year timeline that we have evolved and grown and changed and revisited conversations and clarified points over those years. And that is what the coming out process is is, you know, that like the first days are going to feel a particular way. The first weeks are going to feel a particular way. After that first year, you're going to feel even different. You know, you're going to feel more comfortable in certain areas and you're going to have questions that you didn't have at the beginning. So I think that, um, you know, I encourage, I try to encourage young people to have as much patience as they can with their parents. Um, and I also try to encourage parents to have patience with themselves and to forgive themselves and to, you know, encourage themselves and others around them to get more information, to learn and to ask questions and to gain that knowledge because those are the things that are going to help you better understand your kid. Sure. So does it make it easier to to initiate the, as a parent? Does it make it easier for the kid to to ask the question and to start the topic? I guess it depends on the kid. Yeah, and I think so. I think that having conversations about sexuality um, in your home just as a day-to-day thing is really important and pretty easy to do these days since, you know, it's coming up more and more and more in our legal system and, you know, in ways that I wish it wasn't coming up, it's coming up. And so I think that um, parents setting a tone in the, in the home, that this is something that is talked about, that their, their approval and understanding and access to knowledge to people with different identities as their own, that that's all part of the dialogue. But asking your kids specifically, are you gay? Are you bisexual? That can be really jarring to a young person. So asking that question before your kid comes to you with questions about identity or declarations about identity can be really tricky. Um, my mom asked me before I had any awareness of the fact that I was gay. And that was really complicated for me because I didn't know why she was asking. It made me worry about like, am I wearing something weird? Am I walking different? Like, what am I doing that's making her think this about me? Uh, And so I, I really encourage parents to show their approval of LGBTQIA communities by having conversations about what's going on in the world, but not asking their kids directly because that's something that their kid will come to them with when they're ready. Okay, that's good to know. Along that line, should we, I think some parents might suspect uh, a child is gay and want the child to approach and then wonder why the child hasn't. Like maybe Mm -hmm. do parents ever feel like that reflects on them? Like, you know, my kid doesn't trust me. Otherwise, he or she would have come to me sooner. Totally. And and often parents are the last 
people to be told. And that is usually because they are, they carry the most weight. There's the most at stake when you talk to your parents. Your parents have, you know, raised you. You love them usually very deeply. And the prospect of not meeting with approval is very scary. So, you know, oftentimes I have parents who come to me and they're like, but, you know, she told her cousin and she told her friends and she even told her, her aunt before she told me, like, what does that mean about our relationship? And it's like, it just means that she was practicing before she got to you because you mean probably the most. And, um, you know, it's important to remember that as a parent if you feel like the last one to know. Usually we tell people where it's easier and there's less at risk. Uh, and the last people to find out are the people we're most scared to lose. Hmm. Hmm. Didn't think about it like that, but that makes sense. Um, what about one of the other questions that was on the website was, when do I tell family and friends? Is that for... Um, specifically for the family to say it or for when the kid wants to come out? I mean, so like if your kid comes out, do you immediately throw a my child is gay party or do you, <laughs> you know, uh, at Christmas, uh, you, how do you approach it? Do you, or do you just follow your child's lead? Yeah, I think that's probably the best way to do it is follow your child's lead. But you can, can and should open up that conversation. Like, you know, after your kid comes to you and tells you whatever they've told you, either in that conversation or in the next conversation that you have with them, visit that if they don't bring it up themselves. Say, you know, I don't know if you've told other people, but I just want to be really respectful of you. So where are you at? Do you want to tell other people? Are you comfortable with me having conversations with our family? Like, let's have a conversation about this. Um, and I think usually that'll go pretty well. You know, usually the the kid will be like, yeah, I'm fine. Yeah, tell whoever. Or actually, I'd prefer to tell these people and I'm going to do it at this time. Occasionally, there can be some dissonance there, right? Where um, the kid is like, I don't want anyone else to know. You can be the only one that knows. And in that situation, I think that both parties kind of have to take care of each other because you can't ask, and this goes both ways, like a parent can't ask a kid and a kid can't ask a parent to keep that to themselves and only themselves indefinitely. Definitely. That's a lot of pressure and a lot of weight for somebody to carry. So I think, you know, in those situations, maybe there's one person that the young person or vice versa feels comfortable with the conversation happening. And, and you know, you can move and evolve from there. But some, you know, some families are going to be like, everybody's going to be great. You want to make a cake on Christmas? It says my kid's gay. Like, it just really depends. It really depends. What about people at school? Um, you know, you hear about bullying, you know, so if, if your child comes out to you and then says, I, I want to tell everyone at school, do you advise some caution or do you tell someone at school? Do you talk to the teacher and say, you know, this has come up. We are, um, in this process. Uh, will you make sure he or she is not being bullied? How do you manage that? Yeah, I think, um, I think you don't want to out your kid at school, right? Like if they come out to you and they say, you know, I'm not coming out at school yet and blah, blah, blah. Like I think you don't want to step, you don't want to cross that line on their behalf. That's their journey to go on and they should be able to choose when they want to come out. But if you're, if your kid is like, I've, I've told you and I'm going to tell everybody at school, then I think the, the most you can do as a parent is have a conversation with your kid about are they concerned about anything? Um, when are they going to do this and how are they going to do it? Do they need any support from you? And then in a case where you feel 
feel like there is or will be a hostile environment, there are things that can happen from a parenting end that can be helpful because sometimes, probably oftentimes, sadly, uh, school administration listens to parents, especially when there's more than one parent on, on a similar train of thought than they do to students. Um, that's not to, you know, I've, I've worked with some incredible administrations who are not like that, but I've seen so many where, you know, when the kid approaches a topic, it's not treated the same way as when a parent does. So I do think that if there's bullying happening, or if your kid is worried that bullying will happen, that approaching the administration and having that conversation about what to do to make a more supportive school environment is really important. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, and this is the case, no matter what your kid's identity uh, scarily, you, you can't protect them completely, right? Like part of it is that they go to school and you can't be in control of what people are going to say to them. And the, the most we can do is try to bring that information to the school environment uh, in a way that will be helpful and encourage dialogue. Sure. sure. I read that um, gay teens are more likely to be depressed or anxious. Um, so how can we help with that? Or what are the signs with that so that we can support them? Sure. Um, also, I want to say, like, you know, I'm not a social worker. I'm not a licensed therapist. So definitely, you know, having these conversations with people who can tell you from a, a medical standpoint um, about the signs of depression and things are also important. But um, I and the other point that I want to say, too, before I talk about this is that. Um, as LGBTQ people, we aren't inherently like genetically more predisposition to feeling depressed or anxious. Those things are more common in our community because we live in a world that often, you know, doesn't accept us or doesn't show us images that represent ourselves. And so that's why, um, you know, depression and anxiety and things like that can be higher within our community. So the really macro answer to, to how to help this is working to get knowledge for yourself and get knowledge for people around you because the more that we have television storylines, movie plot lines, um, magazine stories, all of these things that reflect, you know, LGBTQ people, um, the more acceptance we'll see and the less depressed and anxious the, uh, our community members will find themselves because they'll feel safe. Um, However, we we live in this world right now today. So I think that um, if you notice that your your kid is, you know, talking to you less, engaging less, going out less, having trouble getting out of bed, all of those things um, can be signs of depression. And I think, you know, in addition to having open conversations in your home about things going on in the world related to sexuality and gender, being really open about mental health is also so massive. Uh, I know that, you know, I grew up in a home where mental health wasn't talked about and not even because it was being hidden, but because my parents didn't grow up in, in homes where mental health was something that was talked about. And so it took me, you know, 10 years of working on myself uh, to really be comfortable and understand that it's okay to say I have depression and it's okay to seek out um, help, whether that's talking to a therapist or going on medication, that these things are okay and that it's a safe space to have a conversation. Um, I think that will be really helpful to young people in general. Okay. Now, what about uh, Tracy and I just a season or two ago had had the birds and bees discussion just in, in general mm -hmm. about how you teach your kids about sexuality and sex, the actual sex part. Um, how do you have the talk if you don't really understand the aspect of um, sex with someone not of the opposite gender? Or here's another question. Like if you have a friend who is gay 
Can you enlist that person and be like, all right, I need you to have the talk? Or is that just totally absurd? Um, you can. I mean, you can do whatever you want to do as a parent. And if you feel like your kid would be more comfortable having uh, a conversation with somebody who identifies like they do, that's certainly a thing that you can do. You know, I mean, you know your kid, your relationship to your kid, who that other person might be, their relationship best. And so I don't want to say like, no, don't do that. It, it might be great. But I do think that... um that we should all be having conversations about sex in general. And I think that this line between straight sex and gay sex is imaginary uh, because at the end of the day, like, and this I say this all the time, at the end of the day, like, we all have bodies. Uh, our bodies make fluids. Mixing those fluids together in various ways is going to put us at risk for things. And no matter what your kid's identity, they might be happy. Like, you know, just because your kid is straight doesn't mean that they're going to be having sex in only the way that you understand sex to be, right? That there are a lot of different ways to exchange those fluids. And I think that any kid who you have a conversation with about sex should be given those tools, that it should not just be like, this is a penis and this is a vagina and this is how they go together. Be careful, put a condom on, right? Because that's not the only thing. I mean, if you're listening to this and you don't identify as LGBTQ, you can probably think about your sexual history and know that you've done other things besides that. So I think, um, I think that, you know, parents, uh, should have conversations with their kids, however they would normally, right? Like, however they would have that conversation with their kid is still the way they should have it, regardless of their kid's identity. But it should always be inclusive of many ways that you can be at risk when you have sex, many ways that you can protect yourself. Um, because you could have a kid who's come out to you, but you could have a kid who hasn't come out to you. You think the kid is straight, you know, or you think that the kid might have sex in a particular way, they have sex in a different way for the first time. So I think just understanding sex as a thing that is complicated that has many layers and many facets and trying to prepare your kid no matter their identity for all of those things is important. Good call. Yeah. Speaking of complicated, one of the other uh, frequently asked questions was about handling sleepovers. Uh, and Tra- Tracy's like trying to wrap her head I'm around I'm trying to wrap one. my head around this one, but I guess ultimately like um, I'm not going through this situation, but if I... my straight daughter was to ask for a 13 year old boy to come over and spend the night i i I would say no so is there a difference is that is there a different rule or how does that work that's obviously a a question other people have asked because it's on the website yeah and you're and you're not um you're not alone in feeling like it's a complicated question because it really is it's it's a it's a question that's really dependent on what the parents concerns are um you know some parents are like you know i was worried my kid might have sex and get pregnant (laughs) and that can't happen if it's like two girls so whatever you know like just you know have fun (laughs) but some parents really are just like I don't think that you're you know ready yet for any kind of sexual activity and how do I know Um, so this is like a parent to parent kid to kid family to family conversation and I think that if your kid has come out to you and they want to have a sleepover with somebody of the same gender as themselves it's totally acceptable to say like hey you know I'm parenting you to the best of my abilities that you've come out to me and I know that, you know, you have interests in other women and you're asking for this, this other woman or girl, whatever, to come and sleep over. And so I'm okay with that, but I'm going to ask that the door be left open because I want to make sure that like, you know, my rules are being respected and that this is a friendship sleepover and not anything else because I don't feel comfortable having that um, happen in our house at this point in time, you know, and, and that's one version of the conversation. It really depends on where your comfort level is at, um, how the conversation is even with like
like other parents? Do the other parents, you know, how out is your kid? Because that's something that people struggle with too. Like, well, I know my son is gay. And I know that he is having like sleepovers with this boy and I know they're interested in each other and I'm, I feel comfortable with it. I've, I've talked to my kid. I trust my kid. I know what's up, right? But the other parent doesn't. Where is that line? And that's really hard and complicated and it, and it is different from scenario to scenario. So I think the best piece of advice is talk to your kid. Your kid, I mean, you know, kids, as you, as we all know, because we were all kids at one point, like we know at that point, at this point that our, that our parents don't have all of the answers. It's okay to say like, I'm a little confused about this. Like, can we talk about it? Can we see what makes you comfortable and me comfortable? And at the end of the day, like you're the parent and it's your home. And just like you saying a boy can't sleep over, you have every right to say that a girl can't sleep over. Um, so it just, but be open about it. Don't make the kid feel like they're being punished because they've come out to you. Right. Sure. So what, what advice do you have for the parents who, um, who dreamed of the traditional wedding and the, uh, white dress and the having kids and all that? The, the parents <laughs> who have to change because, because ultimately I think that you don't have to change your expectations too much. But I think when someone changes the way that you have envisioned the future, um, how do you, what do you suggest for parents? Well, first off, I think, Again, like forgiveness, like self-forgiveness for having those feelings of loss is valid regardless of the rest of my answer, which will be telling you that like you, you may, you, you didn't lose anything that you hadn't already lost. You haven't gained anything you haven't already gained. We don't know what's going to happen, but like in our minds, I think, you know, especially uh, when people become parents, they're like, this is my daughter. And I envision all of these things all the way far into her future. And that's a really beautiful thing. And of course, those things you imagine are not going to play out the way you thought they were, no matter the identity of your child child. And so feeling that sense of loss is okay. It's not something that's okay to put on your kid's shoulders, but it's okay if you feel that and you need to talk about it, you know, with your partner or with your sister or with your friend to to move through that. But on the on the other side of this is the fact that being gay or bisexual or however we identify doesn't foreclose us from those things. You can have a wedding with a white dress. You can have a family. You can have all of these things. And um, and you might not want them if you are a straight cisgendered person. You know, like that. It's funny when you ask that question. I think about my own life and like. I, I'm a person who, um, my mom planned my wedding. I wore a white dress. It was wonderful. I am divorced now. And meanwhile, my sister who's straight is engaged and she's like, I think I want to elope. You know, so it's like my, my mom thought she knew what she was clocking when I came out to her, right? She was going to lose the wedding here. She was going to get the wedding with the straight kid. But in reality, she got such a mixed bag. And, and that's how life is. Like, you don't, you don't know what you're going to get. You don't know where you're going to go. And I think it's hard. Right. Because at the end of the day, and I think this is what we all struggle with, we don't have control and it's hard to let go of that control. Um, it's hard to just let life be what life is going to be. But I, I know that the beauty that my my mom, my dad have found in, in my life and my experiences has been massive and hasn't looked anything like they expected it would. Right. Sure. So you mentioned this before that there's always going to be missteps and stuff. What advice would you have for parents who do screw it up? I, there's a story about you and your dad that was pretty funny, and you both recovered from it. So do you have any advice or anything to add about that? Yeah. So I think, like, you know, I have two different stories, one with my mom and one with my dad. And, um, you know, with my mom, my mom was um, 
super Catholic and we struggled for 10 years. Um, and she made a lot of missteps that she wishes she had not made in that like really massive space. And my dad, when I came out to him moments after coming out to him, he in the kitchen to me said, so how about Gwen Stefani? She's pretty hot. And I was mortified and melted into the floor, you know? So, so, so those are two examples of like missteps and places that we wish we had said something different. They're very different, uh, from each other, but they're, they share something, which is that, of course, my dad and I have recovered from that moment. I love telling that story. It gets a good laugh. It's really fun and funny. It, it illustrates that, like, my dad just wanted to, like, extend his hand out to me and say, like, I, I love you. And, like, I'm just trying to share something with you. And he didn't know how to do it. And that's really sweet and wonderful and cute. Um, and for my mom, like, my mom was really struggling with things that she had been taught growing up. And it was a long process for her. But kind of, I guess, circling back to the beginning of our conversation, there's time. I mean, that's one of the most beautiful things about life is that that usually we have time. So if you said something that you didn't mean to say, tell your kid that, right? Like it's okay. Forgive yourself for the things that you do that are incorrect and take another step forward by acknowledging that, by apologizing that, by having room for the fact that you might apologize and your kid might not be ready to hear it right away. That's okay too. Um, This is, again, it's a process and it's long and it's ongoing. And the more information you can get, especially on your own terms, right? Go to mykidisgay.com. Get, this is a book for parents of gay kids. I'm not just trying to promote my stuff. Find information. Um, so that you have that because you'll be able to have more uh, in-depth conversations with your kid about those things when you have more knowledge. Thank you so much, Kristen Russo, CEO and editor-in-chief of Everyone is Gay and My Kid is Gay, co-author of This is a Book for Parents of Gay Kids. Um, we just scratched the surface, but I think this is a great starting point for um, for whether or not your kid is uh LGBTQIA, whatever, you know, um, I think we all need to learn to understand each other. So I, I so appreciate you um, offering the insight, the wisdom and the laughs too. We appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. So apparently the conversation about sexuality is a long one. Yep. Just like pretty much every parenting conversation <laughs> we have. Um, but I think it helps to realize that if we make mistakes, we can rebound and grow and do better next time. Absolutely. And just keep talking about it. Yeah. I, I like what she said about, you know, if you make the mistake, say, I think that was a mistake. And then let let your kid know that you're trying. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We'd love to hear from you if you have any stories to share, funny, embarrassing, or otherwise. <laughs> Something with Gwen Stefani, perhaps. <laughs> um, so uh, check out our Facebook page or give us a call at 331-704-0046. Or you can email us at apparentlypodcast at gmail.com. This is a WGN Plus podcast. I'm Tracy Weiner. And I'm Ann Johnsos. Thanks for listening to Apparently. We make it look easy. We make it look good. When everybody sees it.